Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first Volunteer Services podcast. This is going to be a deep dive into the very interesting topics, one being leadership in volunteer services, and the second, the relationship management with the line of services, including the volunteer needs assessment. And for this conversation, uh, my name is Marcela Espinoza. I work in the volunteer services NHQ team, and I am delighted to have been joined with my colleague and friend, Eric Gacknin. Eric is the RVSO of his region, and he has so many things that he would learn and share with us, as he has been leading Maine for so many years, and we've learned so many things from him. So Eric, would you want to introduce yourself before we dive in? Yeah, thank you, Marcella. Uh, Marcella said, Eric Gagnon. I'm the Regional Volunteer Officer for the Maine region. Uh, we are a one-state region, and um, our Volunteer Services Department uh, was was really formalized about five years ago. I was the first uh, volunteer officer in that role. Uh, prior to that, uh, it was somebody else's second or third job. Uh, so um, I've been in this role from the beginning. Prior to uh, being employed at the Red Cross, I was a volunteer for about 26 years, um, mostly in the Massachusetts region. And uh, so I have a, a, a long history with the Red Cross. Um, and has seen it go through a, a number of changes. So um, I'm excited where we are now. I think that um, some of the uh, work that we've been uh, doing over the past few years uh, has, is really starting to pay off with tools and professionalism and a good idea and a uh, drive forward, um, particularly related to the volunteer experience, but also carrying out the Red Cross mission across all lines of business. I agree, Eric. So, quick question. So, you mentioned you've been in the Red Cross for um, quite a long time. You've seen like a lot of shifts, and I think it. Uh, I don't know. You probably agree with me that volunteer services right now is in the best leadership seat and the best position we've been in in a while. Um, so, I wanted to ask you if you could describe what is volunteer services leadership role looking like in your region. Yeah. Thank. Uh, that's, that's a great question. I, I think it's important to recognize that the role of volunteer services at the national, divisional, and regional level is evolving. Um, uh, you know, what we were asked to do five years ago is much different than today. So, um, uh, but in, in, in short, um, you know, we serve as the, uh, as the human resources uh, shop or uh, department for our volunteer workforce. And many regions have you know, several thousand volunteers, some have a little less. Um, and uh, so it's really an important role to, um, to really monitor uh, how our volunteer workforce is doing. Um, uh, how can we meet the needs? How can we offer good experience? And to educate our lines of business around volunteerism versus managing uh, a paid staff. Um, and the expertise that is being developed across our country, I think, is, is critical to help us uh, do that effectively. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I'm interested in hearing um, you've uh, always come up you know, to us with best practices, innovative ideas. I know from the training uh, spectrum, you always um, 
you know, push us to bring the best out of that. So wanted to learn a little bit more about your leadership role, particularly as, um, as it relates to the senior leadership team. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, we had uh, some, some regional volunteer officers, those in that position, uh, who weren't at the senior leadership level uh, in their role. And uh, I think we've collectively uh, worked hard uh, at all levels of our organization uh, to bring uh, this function into that role because it's critical. Um, one of the things I think this role brings to the senior leadership team at the regional level is the volunteer voice. Uh, a volunteer perspective. Uh, for example, if, if we're looking at planning a particular initiative and how we're going to roll that out, um, you know, generally the RBSO is the one that's saying, you know, how can our volunteer leads be involved in the success of this mission? And so I think first and foremost, bringing that volunteer perspective to the work we do is critical. Um, there is also um, uh, a lot of expectation setting uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of training and opportunity to present uh, uh, an understanding, I think, of what volunteer services really does as uh, facilitators and drivers of certain processes, such as the volunteer needs assessment. Um, I, I think that we help to lead and motivate the senior leadership team. Um, we can bring successes from that volunteer perspective uh, to the table, uh, really to encourage um, a deepening of our resources, um, skills that we may not possess, uh, might be readily available by volunteer lead or uh, somebody out in our communities, uh, partnerships and so on with, with other organizations. So it, it is, um, it's a, a critical position on that senior leadership team. And it's definitely influenced uh, by the relationship between the regional executive and the RBO, him or herself. Um, I think they work hand in hand to uh, to really look at our long range planning, our visioning, and and how best to present that to the overall leadership team. Because we can't do our work without buy-in from our other lines of business, and certainly they'll have a challenging time without the support of volunteer services. Mm -hmm. I agree. So you brought in two powerful words, um, you know, motivate and lead, and the balance of of them both. So I'll be uh, very curious for you um, to share some examples on how do you lead and motivate your team? And when I mean your team, uh, your direct paid specialists, um, paid employees, and also the unpaid volunteers that are working under the umbrella of volunteer services. Yeah, that, you know, I think a lot of times we don't stop and think about that. Um, I, I actually am very critical of myself. Um, so I, I turn to my team and, and uh, ask them, because I'm very aware of what I'm not doing that I could do better, um, and, and we try to work that in as, as time and resources allow, but I ask my team, you know, uh, this question directly, how do, I, how do I help to motivate you in the work you're doing? And some of the feedback I got uh, was that I'm appreciative uh, and respectful of my team's time and what they, and what they contribute. Um, for example, we have one volunteer specialist currently in Maine, and uh, it's a 40-hour position, 40-hour-a-week position. So uh, with all the work that we have to do, it's easy to let that sort of, uh, you know, beyond 40-hour work creep in. And occasionally that does happen, but we can be flexible within the work week uh, to sort of, you know, come in late, leave a little early or whatever. 
to make up for some of that. And um, and then uh, I, I think the, the words that came from my team was, uh, they know that I care about them and, and who they are as people. Um, uh, they highlighted um, that uh, there's awful lot of thank yous, thank you notes, remembering birthdays. Um, I had uh, a volunteer specialist just celebrated her year uh, a month or two ago. Uh, her year was Red Cross, and, and we sort of made it a special day with posters and, and, and different things. So, uh, so they, they feel appreciated and valued. And this is something that I think we can model for the rest of our uh, workforce in, in a way of, um, of valuing. In that particular case on the year anniversary, I had emailed uh, some volunteer leaders and, um, and other uh, paid staff in our office and asked them to come by and sign a poster that we had on our wall with notes of how much people appreciate the work of the person celebrating their anniversary. So. Uh, in that way, it's just not me offering uh, that. Um, I also try to, um, uh, as, as often as I can, give development opportunities, really really think about ways that um, they can learn and grow in the role, um, uh, even to take over my job um, at some point in time, if that's a goal of theirs, or have conversations even about other opportunities within the Red Cross uh, that they might want to take advantage of, uh, even if that means I might not have that person in my department, really what their goals are. And just taking the time uh, to hear them, I, I think is what I'm hearing back that uh, that they appreciate about uh, motivating my team. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I think um great thing that you uh, expressed is that, you know, by doing that and just really thanking and going to, to that direction, you're leading by example, which I've seen you do uh, many times, and I think that's a great characteristic. So one of the things, let me summarize a couple of the adjectives or a couple of the things that you described um, in order to be a great uh, leader, and then um, let me know if I um, missed something. So you said uh, you are um, looking for being appreciative of time and work. Uh, we know that we have complex demands from in volunteer services, so that's one of your key things. Second, being flexible, uh, being caring, really focusing on recognition of your team, defining development opportunities so that they can also feel the growth uh, internally for them. Any other things that um, I may have missed as a keys to being a successful leader in volunteer services? Yeah, I have a few, Marcel, I think, um, you know, the um, related to the team itself, I, I think that one-on-one -on -one time and using it as time for them. Um, for me, uh, I'm not afraid to get feedback from my team on what I can do better uh, for them uh, because I'm concerned about their experience. I want them to uh, turn around and with the volunteer uh, uh, teams that they work with, either as leaders or as, as paid staff, volunteer leaders or paid staff, that um, that they're also modeling for their teams um, the same type of thing where there's a two-way communication. Uh, but leadership, more generally, that I've found in my five years in this role, um, that a critical uh, uh, leadership trait is actually flexibility uh, and attitude. And I think they go hand in hand because they're how we respond to the rate and, uh, uh, and depth of change within the organization mm -hmm. um, 
it really affects everyone. Uh, you know, this department is such a critical department. We help to set the mood uh, and, and really the vision forward. So um, how we take information, process it, um, and, uh, and then having the flexibility to kind of work with it, even if it might mean a turnaround of a direction we were already heading in and, uh, and we sort of have to refocus. Um, change management skills are, I think, very important in this particular role. Uh, again, through that leadership and influencing that we're doing, uh, understanding that people are going to uh, be at different points in whatever change our organization is going through. I think there's a, a certain amount of confidence that's needed uh, because I think people want to trust the RBSO, that they um, are a good developing expert in human resources and volunteer services. Um, I think understanding people is key. Even if someone isn't very good at that, uh, that's an area where uh, they can work and develop. Uh, but it is critical. To, uh, and along with that is listening. Best way to understand people is to really listen. Um, I think, you know, in one of our volunteer services courses, we talk about uh, interest-based problem solving, where what's being presented to you is often really not the issue that needs to be addressed. It's more of a symptom or what we can see. We use an iceberg analogy where somebody might be objecting to something, and, and that's what we see above the water. But below it are all sort of the hidden issues. And, and um, if we're hard on the problem and the process and, and easier on the people, then we can build relationships. So relationship building is critical in this role. Uh, we are a human resource organization uh, overall, but in particular the function of volunteer services. And while a lot of the work we do is process-driven and administrative and, and uh, you know, technology-based, um, we can never lose sight in the RBSO role of the human part of this all. And that, I think, is back to the senior leadership team and influencing. Um, sometimes this, this position uh, becomes that reminder, that voice, uh, to remember the people. Um, I do think that uh, the ability to negotiate, uh, and particularly around expectations, uh, it might be even internally, that we need to set our own expectations of what, what we think is realistic, what we can accomplish. Um, and then, of course, having conversations with our uh, colleagues um, about really how, how long it might take to get a project done or uh, that, that we've been asked to do or the level in which we can lean into something based on all the different things that we're doing. Um, for me, collaboration is huge, um, probably to a fault, uh, where sometimes I need to be a little more directive. Uh, but um, but I, I do think it's a, a key overall in our um, in our organization. Uh, that leads into our core values. I, I think that as a leader of volunteers and an influencer of our lines of business, um, our core values, if we can model them, then um, we're, we're setting that tone, we're setting an expectation, setting that stage. So uh, neutrality, um, impartiality, you know, our, our five C's, uh, you know, all of these things kind of roll into this role um, that reinforces, you know, we are who we say we are if we act the way we say uh, mm -hmm. you know, how our, our organization is. Yeah. And um, one of the effective leadership tools that I've found in my role in my region is utilizing teachable moments. Because we lead through influence, 
Uh, we don't have direct authority over a person or a department in most cases outside of our own. Um, we, we can drive home uh, certain points by, by using moments uh, to highlight a particular issue to reinforce. Um, if we can bring in positive teachable moments, that makes life easier. Um, and yeah. I love, um, Eric, how you bring up the, the vision and our fundamental principles. Um, I like to share that you were one of the visionaries for one of our courses. Since you brought up uh, the training, I do recall when you uh, brought up the vision, the fundamental principle, principles, and then you talked about the need for us to start there as our foundation uh, from courses. So I know that you were one of the key people in the vision for our course of working together. So I know that uh, from my end and from my perspective, that is one of your key uh, accomplishments. But I wanted to ask you, what are some accomplishments that you are most proud of in volunteer services? You know, there's, there's a lot. Uh, I, and and um, uh, one of the things I've been trying to do is um, take some time to purposefully go back and think about uh, areas that I'm, I have gratitude in. Um, and particularly successes, because a lot of times where we get uh, working in the weeds on things and we forget to, to look at, because we're trying to solve problems, we forget to look at the things that go well. Um, you know, in my role, because uh, my department was created just before I arrived, uh, I had a lot of firsts for my region. Uh, for example, we were able to um, have a region-wide series of recognition events. Our region, up until uh, just about seven years ago, uh, was still not regionalized. We had a number of different chapters. And uh, in about a year and a half or so before I arrived, there was a, a, a conversion over to re regionalization. Um, and the different chapters at the time had different ways of doing formal recognition, particularly of volunteers. And so we were able to do a first recognition event. Um, and, uh, and what was cool about it is that we were able to get, uh, we, we decided to do an ice cream social followed by formal awards. And uh, we were able to get all of the products uh, donated. We actually did five events throughout the region uh, because of our geography. Uh, a centralized uh, location is impossible. We have um, one county, for example, that land-wise is about the size of Connecticut and Rhode Island combined. So um, it's not very easy. So we had to kind of break it up geographically. Uh, we spent about $150 in total uh, for the food and so on and, and locations for this recognition event because we were able to get it uh, all donated, which was pretty incredible. And it, it also allowed um, sort of a fun, light mood coming in for ice cream and so on and, and then moving into a formal uh, recognition. And one of the things that our specialist was able to do is um, even if somebody walked in the door and didn't RSVP, we had a, a plan to recognize every person in the room in some way. They may not have gotten a certificate, but there, there would be some acknowledgement of anybody who came in. Um, and so really thinking about that experience as well, what would it be like for a volunteer or a spouse or somebody to come in uh, to that event? Um, so, you know, I'm proud when we're able to do that kind of thing. Uh, we, we've helped out different um, organizations. The Boy Scouts, for example, needed some safety training. 
uh, and they gave us very short notice. Um, and this was a, over a holiday weekend. Uh, we pulled a whole interactive program together around fire safety for this 300 scout uh, event that the uh, scout council was running, and we did it in about 24 hours. Uh, my department and an intern department. It wasn't um, uh, our disaster team didn't have home fire yet. It was just around home fire coming out, uh, so we were able to lean into that. Um, also, this isn't something normal for volunteer services to do, but during this past hurricane season, our disaster team, uh, our disaster team um, uh, did not have workforce engagement. So volunteer services leaned in and helped with deployments. And what was proud there is that we uh, were able to deploy volunteers to every one of the, the significant events that we had uh, throughout. So Maine was represented across the whole season during the hurricane season. That's, oh, yeah. that's pretty impressive, and that's, I guess, a, an amazing uh, lead to, to the question I have next is really, you talked about, you know, building the relationship with your teams. You talk about how to be a, a great leader, how to lead by example, um, how to be that, you know, motivator factor. But when you bring in this collaboration that you had with Disaster Cycle Services, um, my question is, how do you build and develop good relationships with other lines of services? Yeah, th this is always a challenge. We have, we, sometimes we have similar interests, sometimes competing interests. Uh, even uh, sometimes we have different metrics of, of how we're measuring our success. Um, so, the, so I think uh, for me, one of the ways that I found works in my region is um, uh, taking time to understand their needs what their needs and their goals are, and then how we can lean in to help them be successful while also uh, helping our own department out with our own needs and metrics. Um, I mentioned earlier about those interest-based solutions of really looking at what they're getting at um, uh, to try to, to, to help provide resources in some cases, guidance, um, uh, or just education. Um, understanding the pressure and the time that our lines of business are under. Um, I, I think we each have uh, reporting structures up to uh, up to division and national ultimately, and and uh, we're all under a certain amount of of, uh, of pressure to to do what we need to do individually. So I look for synergy where where we can work on something collaboratively and and meet our goals. Um, and also, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to recognize their successes and. And congratulate them on their successes. Um, I try to publicly praise their successes and even a little bit behind their back praise their successes. Talk them up to other people because that information gets back to them sometimes as well uh, rather than having it as a negative gossip. So um, the relationship building is critical uh, with the department heads but also those that uh, the volunteer leadership there and listening, understanding, uh, again influencing back um, but I'm always reminding about that volunteer experience as much as we can. Wonderful. Awesome. I love how um, you explained that so eloquently. And um, can you think about an example where you guys worked collaboratively together to make something uh, yeah. happen re regionally? Yeah. Sure. So um, I certainly can highlight most recently. Recently, uh, you know, picking up workforce engagement or deployment engagement during hurricane season. But beyond that, uh, 
we had a, when I first got here, I was here about a year or so, and um, we had a uh, a brand new disaster program manager, and disaster in general was was suffering from um, need for additional disaster responders. So we, one particular disaster program manager and I, um, worked through a concept called Zero to Hero. This is a weekend intensive training um, for people who can walk off the street, even the day of the class, with zero Red Cross experience. And at the end of the weekend, they receive the fundamental training to go and, and be a disaster responder. Uh, they obviously would start shadowing or something like that rather than doing casework alone, but they have all that fundamental training to do there. So they could be engaged the following week if, um, if everything worked out and so on. Um, this program has gotten some national attention. Uh, the DPM actually has traveled to a couple of different regions, but what we did is a collaborative support. Volunteer Services was there on the first night of training. It was a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday sort of thing. Um, and we would process people through Volunteer Connection um, right there on the spot if they were walking. And um, anybody that was an existing volunteer that needed some additional profile management, we would take care of that as well. So by the end of the weekend, uh, their volunteer connection profiles were all ready to go, background checks done, so on and so forth. Uh, and we even brought our ID equipment and issued IDs on the spot. So they truly were uh, able to walk out on Monday. Um, and there's other regions, Eastern New York, for example, leans in around leadership training and uh, rapid response training. We've done rapid response as well. There's some great resource things happening in our regions with collaborative uh, work around um, these these uh, uh, lines of service uh, collaborations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful example. Thank you for that. And question for that, I think for my, in my mind, I think one of the processes that requires the most collaboration, or at least one of the top ones that come to mind is the needs assessment. And in that you need to really partner with the line of service to really understand what that needs are, what those high priority positions are, um, what is it that they want to see out of the out of your your um, collaboration or your interview with them? So, can you explain how does that process go in your region specifically to the needs assessment? How do you manage that relationship with the lines of services? This has been one of those evolving uh, kind of initiatives, and I think that our tools and our guidance around that from our national level is the toolkit on the exchange, for example, uh, has improved so much. And I, I would encourage that that tool and, and some of the timeline uh, be modified or used by the region based on your needs. But I think the RBO, RBSO really needs to kind of look at how that fits and, and, and uh, adapt it to your regional operation. Uh, for us, it took a couple of years, I have to be honest, uh, to um, for our, our, our lines of business to, to really understand what the needs assessment was, what it did for the departments. And, um, and, and now we have some, uh, some department heads that are actually asking, when's the needs assessment rolling out? Um, uh, I think there's two things that are critical. One is setting the stage, and the regional executive is critical uh, for the success of this. Um, telling people why is part of that and, and giving them that timeline. Um, and then the other is being available to the departments to help guide them through. Uh, because even though they might understand the why and the concept, 
the work around it uh, can be confusing. So there's some good tools this year around that. Um, but it, it, again, to my earlier points, I think uh, buy-in happens when uh, our lines of business can understand how it benefits them, that it's not just another thing that has to be done, but that it will yield something. Uh, and we try to connect it locally in our region to our other initiatives like the recruitment plan, uh, the engagement plan, um, that, that the needs assessment is just a part of a whole um, a set of things that we can do to help um, really enhance the volunteer cycle, the engagement cycle, that will ultimately help our, uh, our managers and our leaders to, um, uh, to be successful in carrying out their mission. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, specifically talking about the volunteer engagement cycle, there are a lot of steps where we have that, um, that dual responsibility. So you mentioned uh, before synergy and collaboration. I think those are key things. But um, my question is more so on to, and this will be our last question. So how do you motivate lines of services to fulfill the responsibilities they have in the volunteer engagement cycle. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, this, again, this has been a challenge. We, we've, I, I've, I've learned quite a bit in my region from uh, maybe not doing as well uh, early on with, with this. And, um, uh, and, and it's, it's, been a, it's been an evolution in my own experience. Um, I've found that uh, communicating to the regional executive our needs, what we need from this, and what, particularly what they, we need them to do, and setting that stage, setting the expectation that, that we all will participate in this, and here's the process. Um, it gives a level, in a, in a job where we're influencers, uh, it gives a level of, of um, authority, if you will, to the work, to the process, because it's been endorsed by the regional exec. Uh, so it isn't one of those kind of negotiable, now nah, I'm not going to do that right now. It's, oh, we got to get this done. Okay, how do I want to do this? How can we lean into this in my department? So I do think setting the stage from the RE is critical. Um, then I think, you know, I mentioned earlier about managing expectations. Um, we currently are, are in a period where we're looking for a new re regional uh, disaster officer. So what are the expectations of that team? What can they reasonably take on in April and May um, around the needs assessment? And, and what other resources do we need to sort of work with to help them succeed in this? Uh, when the new disaster officer comes on board, uh, you know, it, it, does he or she have Red Cross experience or are they new? Is there a new education opportunity? So I think we need to look department by department at their capacity um, and then be reasonable and negotiate back with the RE, with our division volunteer executive um, in, uh, in understanding what we can reasonably accomplish. I also uh, think that we can relate that um, the needs assessment can create a lot of pressure for somebody. You're thinking a year ahead. Um, and depending on how well a department plans its year, um, uh, it will influence how, how they uh, take the needs assessment on. So I think uh, them understanding that these can be modified quarterly um, uh, takes some of that pressure off and allows some decisions. Oh, okay, so I don't need this position until January. Uh, maybe we won't really deal with that in July. We can revisit back in, you know, 
as we start the second quarter or the third quarter. Um, so I, I do think it's, it's important that this is a process that might be uncomfortable or foreign to some people. Um, so we just lean in that it's okay, we'll support each other through it, and that ultimately it, it will enhance our mission, our ability to deliver our mission. And I, I also think that um, if we're having challenges with a particular line of business, you know, our regional execs can help navigate that. Uh, but also, uh, with the addition of the, the uh, divisional volunteer services executives, they can work with influencing their peers at the division level for the other lines of business. Maybe there's some role clarity or uh, some expectations that are st uh, stage setting that can come from other lines of business uh, down through all the regions in the division, and that could help us as well. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Um, uh, it, this is the end of our first podcast, uh, so we are just very new to this space. We really want to make sure that we can record this and share it to volunteer services uh, to make sure that, you know, these words of wisdom uh, actually get recorded and then we can uh, share with everybody else. Um, but also, you know, just to summarize, Eric um, has been a fantastic partner. You heard him today. A lot of his character uh, talks about being appreciative, being flexible. And I would say one thing um, also, he does not do this alone. Like you, you probably heard, he works very well with partnerships, leveraging those relationships from uh, national, divisional level, as he mentioned. Um, and certainly for me, it has been a pleasure working with you and so many projects regarding training. And with all others in our team, um, your, your name comes highly regarded. So thank you for your collaboration. Thank you for your time this morning. And um, I appreciate uh, your um, sharing your tips um, about you know the questions that were asked today. Any final thoughts, comments? Uh particularly for those who, who may be struggling and, um, uh, or may be new uh, to this environment, um, keep at it. Look at the small successes. Uh, use the people around you. I think one of the things about the Red Cross in general is we're a supportive and nurturing environment um, where we, we really uh, emphasize uh, uh, developing people to succeed, or at least that's our goal. Um, so this can be a challenge. There's no, I don't think there's a perfect region out there. I think that different regions um, have different levels of success. Certainly, um, you know, I've had my own, own set of challenges and so on. So, um, you know, it's okay not to be uh, solid in everything. This is a work in progress, and we, we do what we can, when we can, how we can. Uh, and um, But just finally, uh, you know, I do see our role as regional volunteer officers, um, as advocates for the volunteer workforce, um, as human resource professionals for volunteer workforce, um, you know, being mindful of the experience of our volunteers as we work through our mission. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Eric. And again, this will be one uh, or the first of many deep dives for volunteer services and a few topics in the future, near future, include the volunteer hours and peace score, training and recognition and recruitment. So stay tuned for, um, for more to come and thank you all for listening.